Attention, new agents. This is me, Dr. Byron Brimstone, director of the OMEN. That's the Office for Occult Monitoring, Examination, and Negation. I'm here to give you a short intro into the adventures of the OMEN investigations team. Join us on a comedy role-playing podcast set in the modern world, where three agents travel the globe to deal with demons, cultists, and conspiracy theories. Follow the exploits of Koala Jackson, an amnesiac Australian with a dark history. Yeah. Annabelle St. John. A gun-sticking girl from the Deep South. Is it a gun cult or is it a pony cult? And Dr. Martin, a disgraced former professor from Sweden. I mean, I am from Sweden. If you like listening to people search for monsters, aliens, entities from beyond the void and other such hoo-ha, then you should check out Omen Investigations on all good podcast apps. Bibstone out. Dolores, remind me why we're podcasting our top-secret operations again. Right. Welcome one and all to Merely Roleplayers, where theatrical people play role-playing games. My name's Matt Boothman. I am your compere for this backstage episode from our main house show. I'm joined backstage uh, by Ellie. Hello. By Chris Starkey. Hello. And by subject of today's backstage episode, Strat. Ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> How are you feeling, Strat? Are you excited about creating your character? I am, yes, I am. It's it's cool. It's it's going to be very different to how we usually do this. And I'm kind of sad because we only get to do it once. This is always one of my favourite bits of uh, <laughs> previous seasons. So let's make this a good one. Well, we'll we'll, we'll do other character creation in this in the studio shows. You'll, you can get your fix there. Yeah. Good, good. Very cool. Um, so tell us, first of all, uh, which playbook are you playing and what drew you to this one? Uh, I went with uh, The Monstrous. It sounded kind of fun. In other like games I've played and we have played, I've played kind of monstrous characters and I've always enjoyed it. It seemed a little bit different. And I also kind of liked uh, the idea of coming up with kind of a fun, a fun monster to be part of, uh, of, the, of the hunters and do some weird stuff. And, and to sort of like add a monster type to the setting as well like you get a nice bit of control over whatever you decide to be that means that that type of thing is part of our story yeah quite that that did appeal and i yeah spent a lot of time trying to work out in fact as i mentioned to the group outside of uh, a recorded situation i came up with about like five or six so <laughs> you do get there's a lot of different options to combine in this playbook so many variations yeah yeah, so this is your, uh, if we're talking Buffy, this is your angel-type character who is sort of like half-human, half-monster, uh, struggling to do good against their evil nature. <laughs> are, there, are there any other kind of examples of that archetype that you've got in mind while you're putting this character, either to rail against or to sort of build in? 
Yeah, well, it, it's interesting, really, because that's it, it, it's funny because when they, they the monster breed that it says in the playbook is like you're half human, half monster. Decide if you're always this way, blah blah blah. Kind of sets it up to be like you're a vampire or you're a werewolf. But then you look through some of the other, like the default options they've got, and there is some like orc or demon, which like that's not a half half. That's just a, you are a monster. So clearly there were there were options of going like full monster, which I decided. I wanted to do uh, that. And there's, there's lots of, I, I was thinking there's lots of like, you know, the, the teen horror werewolf and vampires and all that sort of stuff. And I didn't want to be a shiny uh, Robert Pattinson or anything like that. <laughs> so there's a, a really great series of uh, books called Rivers of London. Uh, and in those books, um, there are characters called, uh, there's the genius loci. And they are, in, in that book, they, they are humans that are kind of, imbued with with power they represent like natural occurrences most rivers in in the case of rivers london there is father thames and there are all the other tributaries of london are, are represented by a person a genius loco and they draw their power from from the rivers and i've i i really like that uh, and other games i've kind of played more like fairy characters uh and i enjoy the kind of mischievous um side of that and there's also the opportunity with those sorts of characters for uh, kind of shape-shifting, um, which is something else I kind of enjoy playing with uh, as well. So like all of that uh, came to, together to uh, of an idea of, of, yeah, a fae creature that, uh, that, I can, and that I can create. Very cool. Um, so it sounds like, so you, you've, you've obviously, you've spent some time with the playbook, you've played around with some different options, so uh, this is def- this sounds like this is going to be a case of tell us which options you've picked rather than kind of let's go through it and dis- help you with decisions. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think with this playbook, it's interesting because you almost have to, like, with, with other characters, you can choose a bit about who you are and then the moves can complement that. Whereas with this build, the moves very much make what you are. I can't say I'm certain things and then not have certain moves. So... <laughs> Yeah, this was work out what sort of monster you are and then take the moves that allow you to do what that monster would would do. Um, so yeah, I, I've got it pretty much figured out uh, and it's just a case of kind of walking everyone through it and seeing what else you can uh, bring to the character uh, as well. Cool. Well, let's let's go through it in playbook order and we can sort of ask questions of you as we go. So do you have a name for this character, first of all? Uh, yes, this character is called Briar. Nice. Sounds very fey. You said this is a fey sort of character. Yes, it is. I did briefly think you were going to say Brian. <laughs> Brian. Hello. I'm Brian the fairy. Nice to meet you. <laughs> That's a different type of character, Brian the fairy. <laughs> uh, but Briar is, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so then you get some you get some options for look. You get uh, some gender presentation options, some options for your aura which yeah. no other playbook gets uh, and options for your clothes so what have you gone for there in terms of look as you'll see the the, um, the sort of monster i am is a shapeshifter so they can uh, and, and i I've, I've got i've done some research and i've found a, a celtic kind of um fey creature that, that i want to build this around um so i'll tell you some of the fun things that shape that they they kind of were known to do but so the uh, the look I'm going to go for is mysterious. I I want them to kind of be that sort of like general like 
beautiful when they are in a human presenting form. I want to be that say like everybody could find something attractive about them. And it's kind of, they're just kind of, everyone's like, Oh, hello. Yeah. And it's part of the aura that they, that, that they present because they can be whatever they want to be, but their true form is a one and a half foot pixie. Just so you know, <laughs> that's so but, uh, good. But yeah, so uh, a mysterious uh, look. I love the idea that people are falling in love with them left, right, and center because they've got this something about them that's so ethereally beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then you like wake up next morning and it's a foot and a half pixie in your bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've all been <laughs> the, there. The interesting. Is... <laughs> we've all been there. The... <laughs> Speak for yourself, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the things that you got up to in your mid twenties. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, mysterious aura wise. So I can have sinister, powerful, dark, unnerving, energetic, evil, or bestial, and I will be going for bestial aura. Ooh. I think there's something below the surface that is, yeah, unnerving. What like animalistic? Mm-hmm. Mm. So very, very ethereally beautiful. But... Yeah, you know how there's the kind of faith that they can almost be feline. There's a danger mm-hmm. to them. Like they're graceful, but... They could use that to jump on you, yeah. Mm. And not in a nice way. You're a sexy cat. I am a sexy cat. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. You say that over and over again, and then you put that on a T-shirt, my friend. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> I was very tempted, Ellie, uh, to call my character Tilly. Um, oh, no. uh, <laughs> So weird. And then uh, make my character your cat. It one day just goes, ha ha, I'm a fairy. Oh my God, can you imagine? I mean, you'd have to put a lot of energy into being an absolute arsehole for the entire time. So. <laughs> yeah, I would have to go around and piss on all your belongings. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. Uh, let's, let's not roleplay that. No, I'm very pleased that you've discarded that option. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, best your Laura, uh, and then clothes, which obviously they'll just be wearing when, um, they're in their human form. But I had a few ideas I'm thinking, and they've been around for, for a very long time. Um, and they'd, they'd pick up different, different fashion. And I think it's, you know, like, um, like the, the horsey set who wear uh, kind of the jobpers and the uh, tall boots and all that sort of stuff. I think that's... Like gilets and barber jackets. Mm. Yeah, when they're, when they're in human form, they're very, yeah, they're like upper-class country. Emphasis on the... Country. Country. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wearing hunter's wellies. Yeah, all that. So that that's your, and obviously clothes can change, especially for somebody who is a shapeshifter or, or can use glamours. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a kind of a general idea of your your style. In true pixie form, are there clothes then? Um, you wear a little little pointed pixie. I think hat? I think it's yeah yeah they're gonna have to wear a little pointed pixie hat and just sort of like a, yeah little just like a ragged smock, totally Donald ducking it. <laughs> You're a house elf. <laughs> yeah, you, you know smocks are allowed to go lower than that. Oh yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But you no, I don't think I don't think that uh, in true form they have any bits to worry about. Oh, okay. They're sort of yeah. They 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 don't they and and we can get into this and like my idea for what sort of fake creature this is. But there's no reproduction with this sort. Right, of they're not creature. like a fixed gender. So they're smooth. Yeah, they are smooth. Kendall smooth. But of course, shapeshifter, so they can also have whatever they want. Yeah. They can try on any bits they like. Mm-hmm. I would quite like, with a long smock, to see you dressed as that pixie, please. Same. 
I think that you might need to do that for social media promo purposes. Yeah, I'm not sure. Or live shows. Yeah, I think Helen would yeah. really like it. Your wife would be very into it and she would help you put that costume together. I'm, I'm confident of that. Yeah. How about stats? <laughs> no, it's stress stats. As the monstrous, <laughs> you get a, a sort of a special thing in your stats, which is that you're the only one who gets to start with any plus threes. Uh, you always get a plus three weird, whichever. Oh, I thought... No, I'm the only one. All right. Yep. It's almost like a move that you start with is that you have an extra plus one to your weird. Yeah. So all of your options have plus three weird, uh, and then you have various different options for what your other stats are going to be. Yeah. Uh, what do you reckon? So this kind of depends. Okay. Because you know I said where the moves have to, almost like you have to take them because of what you want. So part of what I wanted to do with the character and this is i guess i need to negotiate with you is that i wanted briar um essentially to be the guardian of the local forest mm-hmm. which would be called the rosebriar forest sounds good and they have been there and grown with the forest so they weren't really born they were just like hey the forest kind of made me so they would be centuries old and just like hanging out and looking after the forest and making sure it's as nice and good a forest as can be and protecting it from outside influences and all that. Could you be maybe the cult, like maybe you're made by the collective belief that there's something in the forest? I was thinking that, but I also wanted like the forest to almost be like the reason they have to look after the forest is because if the forest goes, so does Briar. Like if the forest were to be torn down or set on fire or like houses built on top of it, Briar is no more with there's like they are inextricably linked like they draw their power from the forest sure they they are the forest which would mean he has been there for a very, very long time which would mean i would technically have to take immortal but really what immortal does well it does say you don't age or sicken or you have to suffer one less harm but i didn't know if we could say that I have been around for that long as flavor, and so I don't have to take the immortal. So I, I like, I could get sicker, or I still am taking harm. And if I want to level up and do that, then I can. Yeah, if that is all right. Yeah, yeah. I go for the playbook options that are most fun. Like, don't I don't want anybody to feel like they're taking something out of obligation or because it's like. I mean, it is a literal box ticking exercise to fill in these playbooks, but I don't want it to feel like one. You know, it's got to be, it's got to be fun. We can definitely say like you, you are, you are sort of a, an ageless being of story or whatever yeah. it is without needing the actual mechanical like, immortal move. You're Tom Bombadil. <laughs> Tom Bombadil. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that like there's, there's room in the story for like the various different explanations. So there would definitely be people like, I don't know, maybe the DO or, or some, other other hunters who would explain it as oh uh from the moment that people started seeing this forest as something that protected them that was when a protector spirit would would arise from their belief Mm. but that doesn't mean that you have to believe that that's how you came about and i'm sure there'll be other people who would think it think it works different ways yeah no it's a chicken and egg situation that we don't necessarily have to find a definitive answer to (laughs) Yeah, I like that. I think I think that's true. I think that as the forest grew or as people used it or it became like a bigger forest, maybe the conscious, like Briar solidifies, like it could have just been a will of a wisp or sort, sort of thing. And then it's a, like, oh, I'm a small thing. 
and like, oh, I can change into stuff. Yeah, I, I heard a I heard a he a second ago. Are you using he him pronouns? Oh yeah. Well, I think they are they. Um, I th- think in human form he would pre- present as probably like more on the male side of things, but kind of a yeah. Pronouns can be fluid. We we can go with like a, a they them as default, and then like depending on how you're presenting or or whatever, you can yeah. set what your I mean, pronouns they are, are in any given moment. Very fluid creature. So and spend most of their time as an animal anyway. So <laughs> like a human form is is not their their normal. They they, they do that to interact with humans in a non weird way because they, they discover that talking animals freak humans out. <laughs> Fair enough. Unless they want to freak humans out, and then they're all up for talking. Sometimes you've got to. So back to... Anyway, back to this. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to go for... It's, it's weird. I had the same thing with you, Chris, where uh, the one that you want isn't quite quite there, but that's fine. I think I'm going to go with weird plus three, Yeah, <laughs> uh, as established. Tough plus two, sharp zero, cool minus one, charm minus one. Okay. The tough tough plus two seems to make sense for like a guardian. Yeah, exactly. And they'll have various animal forms in which to kick some ass. So is there a limit on what you can transform into, or is there just is it just your imagination? Um, I'm I want to enforce some limitations on myself. It's going to be kind of woodland or forest creatures and stuff that would be within um, the UK or at some point in history. So wolves, bears bulls might be some of the more powerful things i don't think they would be able to turn into an elephant maybe though one day we'll go to the zoo and uh, a whole world of possibilities will open up yeah the move is pretty flexible it just says you can change your form decide if you just have one alternate form or several so yeah wow. you just sort of decide at this point awesome yeah. um and i've got lots of i've got some ideas around that as well all right so then the the fun part is how do we create this particular kind of uh, woodland pixie Mm-hmm. using the monstrous playbook so you you pick uh you get to you have to pick a curse which is a disadvantage of the type of creature that you are yep a natural attack or two and two moves yep. and so talk to us about this particular like mythology that you're drawing on and and which options you've picked to get there sure so um i'm basing this creature on a puka which is a creature of Celtic uh, folklore, they were thought to have been bringers of both good and bad fortune and to help or hinder rural communities. They're generally benevolent, uh, mischievous. Um, they like to help. There's a story about them, kind of like the, um, what is it, the shoemaker's daughter or whatever, where the, the, the little pixies come in and make the shoes. There's a story where they uh, convinced a puka to come and help them bale all their hay overnight. Their, their biggest thing that they like to do and their favorite animal and favorite um uh, kind of form is uh, a jet black stallion and whereas like things like kelpies and the like like to tempt humans in and then grab them and like go away and eat them or drown them in pools the puka would convince humans to get on its back as a, a stallion and then just take them on a shit scary ride around on the back of a really fast horse and then just deposit them where they picked up and go away so <laughs> Like a like a sort of non non consensual roller coaster ride. Yeah, like basically yeah, exactly. harmless. But if you weren't expecting it, then you don't yeah. want it. Yeah, I think they 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 see the human race as kind of playthings. As like they're nice, they're there, 
they 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 come and enjoy my forest so long as they don't do anything bad but also i i can scare the crap out of them if i like to um so they're kind of a, like an oddity to them it's there's also the character that um they reckon uh puck was based on oh yeah um she didn't see in the name love to get a theatrical reference into our theatrical people podcast <laughs> absolutely absolutely nerds <laughs> <laughs> that is uh that's what uh, Briar is, is based on. And yeah, they're, they're meant to be a deaf uh, shapeshifters and like their foxes or their crows or their uh, whatever kind of creatures there are. In terms of the curse, uh, I think I'm going to go with a kind of classic fae vulnerability of iron. Makes sense. Yeah, so this will mean if you, if you get damaged with cold, with cold iron, you'll suffer extra harm from it. And if you're bound with it or surrounded by it, then it's harder to use any of your monstrous moves. Yeah. I was thinking of going on a pure drive of like joy or something. That makes sense too. Yeah. But I don't know. Those were the two I wanted to choose from. I'm still, maybe I'm still a little bit torn between them because the pure drive that works by essentially, if there's a chance to indulge in that emotion, I have to do so immediately. So if there's something that I think Briar is going to take a lot of joy from doing, they just have to do it. We could even call it mischief and it'd be like, oh, you've got an opportunity to pants that man. You must pants that man. I'm seeing it as like a a dog in a park jumping into a pile of leaves. (laughs) (laughs) So there is that. Because vulnerability is something to run away from. Mm -hmm. Whereas I guess the pure drive is something to actually it gives us something to actually to to drive something forward or to do or to gives you certainly matt an opportunity to make things difficult for us yeah it's kind of like the the vulnerability is more a mechanical disadvantage whereas the pure drive is more of like a role-playing challenge or role-playing hook that yeah you know yeah let's go with that then let's go pure drive joy and we'll see what frustrating things (laughs) <laughs> Briar does when they're all meant to be fighting some unknowable evil. Yeah. And when's going to love this guy? <laughs> Bri- Briar's just there for the lols. He's not even, he's like, oh, yeah, you're fighting a scary monster, but look at this fun trick I can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a horse. <laughs> Fight a scary monster, but I'm over here on the trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, okay, yeah, pure drive uh, joy then. Let's do that. That's, That's cool. cool. That might be fun. Okay um so the natural attacks so pick a base and add an extra to it or two bases so i can have a base of teeth or claws magical force or life drain and then extras of doing more harm ignoring armor or uh, extra range so i want my base to be claws mm-hmm. yeah but I, even when uh, you know how like some people have creepily long fingers oh yeah like that sort of is like yeah like with very well manicured nails and that sort of stuff so yes claws i was thinking also that there's lots of animals that can have claws yeah uh, and also the the puka is is known for even when in uh, a humanoid form to often brings uh, kind of certain animal like features along as well that's so cool it might have i don't know rabbit's ears or something contributes to your bestial aura Indeed, indeed. So have claws. And then either I would go with teeth as well, or I might add an extra harm. Mm-hmm. Ignore armor. That So armor is the thing that takes harm off, right? Yeah. So you just 
Yes, most most monsters will have at least some armor. Right. Okay. You'll be doing your your harm minus the the monster's armor most of the time. Uh, okay. So that would ignore all armor rather than just adding adding one onto it. So I might go yeah, claws and uh ignore some armor then. Sounds good. Yeah, kind of like the fact that it's They're not necessarily sharp. it's yeah, it's either razor sharp or Briar just can see the chinks that's good yeah floor in a gap see the flaws see the weaknesses yeah. yeah i like that uh yes so that that's your your natural attack your natural weapon that nobody can ever take off you mm-hmm. uh whatever form you're in you always have that yeah uh, and then moves so we've already talked about sh- shapeshifter yes so i need to take the shapeshifter uh move absolutely certainly and then yeah i'm not i'm not going to force you to take immortal if there's if there's another one that you think fits as well yeah so I either wanted, so unnatural appeal, so that allows me to roll weird instead of charm when trying to manipulate someone. Which is good for you, because you're very which, weird. Yeah, which I think fits. Or preternatural speed, so I can be super duper quick. Mm-hmm. I think I will go with unnatural appeal. That that fits everything that you said when you were sort of describing what they look like in a human form, that, that, yeah. that sort of weird ethereal appeal. Yeah, it's also pulling on on things again, like the the genius loco as I mentioned from Rivers of London. They they have yeah a glamour it's, this fae thing of like people just tend to do what they're told by them without really realizing. So it's not that Barr is good at convincing people. It's just that the woodland gives him magics. <laughs> you got any followers, Richard? So I had an idea that like uh, Briar has been has been looking after this forest for, for a very long time, right? And to begin with, that would be maybe like uh, getting in with the local uh, dignitaries or something so they can help manage forests. But in this new uh, modern age that it, uh, we're in, essentially what he has managed to do is manipulate local government to uh, sell it off to the National Trust. <laughs> so it is protected. So I think there is like a management team of volunteers that he, like one of his personas is like the national trust forestry management person I like it. Uh, and and he sort of like is in charge of all those volunteers so they don't know that they're followers of him but they certainly do what they're told when they're in in their for in, in the forest uh, and and help clean everything up and look after it nice yeah. We we know that there are other woodland fey as well because josh created them as part of his character creation yep you know, we know that Ginny Greenteeth has some pull with the Woodland Fae. Absolutely. So what's your standing with them? Are they your subjects or are they the like the community that you are protecting? I think they're like community that they're protecting. I, yeah, I don't think it's the sort of community, like there's that much um, hierarchy within within it. They're there. They know like that we all have, our jobs and mine is to look after the forest and if i do that then they are looked after as well i think there there is a hierarchy above a state there are big ones there's probably like the leshy or something of like the the god or of all forest spirit of all forests i kind of like the idea that for the last few decades their kind of attention has been taken by like the amazon or something and all the shit that's going on over there uh, and europe's kind of been left to all of like the middle management <laughs> um, so yeah i think that that clearly Briar's going to know about all the 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 other fey presences there and 
I think there's there's going to be a lot of respect for him, and obviously they they or them sorry, and they need to do that. So yeah, yeah, as much respect as you can ever get from Faye. Exactly, exactly. So Briar's sort of like their, you know, not externally recognised uh, spokesperson because he's got this management forestry management position for the National Trust. Yeah. So he's literally their kind of conduit for communication with the outside non-Faye world. Mm. Plus, none of the other Faye are going to be shape shifting into humans, right? So, are you the only one? You're the only one of your kind in that forest. Yes, yes. I think every. I like the idea that every forest has its guardian, right? Which is this sort of Faye, and Briar is the one for our town. So there'll there'll be other Pukas all over the place looking after various for, forests and woodlands. But yeah, Briar's this one. Did they ever get together for a party? <laughs> yes, I reckon there's probably some <laughs> yearly, maybe like at the solstice or anything. Yeah. Like it's a big... Like a feast. Fairy bash, yeah. It'd be amazing to go to a fairy party. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't eat the food. Yeah. Yeah. Don't eat the volivons. It's not <laughs> worth it. Volivons are rarely worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the last thing uh, on the playbook is... You get some gear if you want. You don't have to take gear, but you're allowed one handy weapon if you want one. I would say a lot of them don't really make sense. They're none of the guns or even big knife sounds kind of... Almost everybody has the option of big knife. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The only thing that that I could think to make sense would be some sort of sword Mm -hmm. with a load of you know, like natural filigree around the handle or, yeah, something that looks like really old, like with a wooden hilt, but yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's, it's the, it's like the weapon that I have used to defend it. Like you might as well take yeah. the option and you don't have to use it if you don't think it's appropriate. But yeah. It's like, you've got the option, you might as well have one. I, I do like the sense that if push come to shove, Briar, when it goes like full guardian, because the other thing is that the Pukas would turn into kind of like monsters. They, they can say they're like terrifying forms and it's meant to be like the half human, half bull like thing. I like to think somewhere in there, there's a giant like terrifying protector creature that could, that he come out with, which maybe does just then get the huge sword and it's like, mm-hmm. get the fuck out of my forest. <laughs> but Briar's never had cause to call on that form because he lives in a, next to a tiny little village in middle england somewhere <laughs> it'd be made of like flint or something it doesn't need to be metal yeah. oh i like a, that yes yeah like a or... huge yeah like a huge flint sword oh yeah yeah put it out of the ground are you going with sword or huge sword okay let's go with huge sword let's <laughs> let's put a yeah a big scary monster in him somewhere because i think that's quite nice really because the, the monstrous there's the opportunity to get to be the big scary thing It'd be nice to know that that's that's in there somewhere. Yeah, go from this one and a half foot pixie Donald Duck in it in a smock to this like enormous thing of thorns and rocks holding this giant flint sword. Mm. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, it almost sounds like at that point they're transforming into the forest. Oh, maybe that's what it's like. It's more like a, a like a tiny like treant kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That like the the ultimate guardian of the forest is to take a lot of the forest and become a living embodiment of it, like the avatar of the forest. Getting into group territory. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like it. Lots of different options. I mean, this is the nice thing about being a shapeshifter. You can decide what you look like at any given time. You can play with all these different possibilities. Mm. Oh, and uh, just like, uh, for when it comes to shapeshifting, um, I've been giving some sort of like how I want that process to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's the shapeshifting that uh, werewolves do, which is you like you see it happen. It's like, and I think uh, Bri would look at them and, and, and think that they are amateurs. And for such a deaf shapeshifter, it's almost like just a blink of the eye. Like there's no sound, there's no transformation. You just blink and there would suddenly be a horse in front of you <laughs> and you could blink again and suddenly it would be a rat. And there'd be like, it's it almost like you don't, the brain of everyone doesn't even comprehend what's happening. It's just like, oh, there's that thing there now. Just a rustle of leaves. Mm. Suddenly a slight breeze and yeah, and there it is. Uh, and another, because I, I have thought about this a lot, the reason, by the way, that it managed to be taken over by the National Trust, which is this strange little forest uh, next to Tiny Town, uh, is that uh, Briar made sure he had transformed into particularly rare breeds of bird and other animals when people were there, so that, it, that it's been essentially marked as like a, a an area of scientific interest, of special scientific interest, because of all these the interesting uh, wildlife that lives there but it's just briar who occasionally has to remember to be and it's a lesser lesser spotted woodpecker or something near a bunch of uh, of tourists and then oh, okay good they, they still think they're there that's good that's a that's another reason to have uh, various different interesting groups of people coming into town i like that mm-hmm. a lot does briar have any sort of uh contact or, or relationship with the department of omissions yes i think that they they know of one another for sure i'm sure there are there's a, a file on on briar at the local do uh, archives like if every woodland has has a guardian they'll be keeping a spreadsheet of who they all are yeah there, there's probably like acts as almost like an ambassador to the to the do sort of like the contact between the the kind of mortal world and the and the fey world does Bri- so Briar has taken on a lot of these kind of slightly bureaucratic responsibilities of de- dealing with the National Trust and dealing with the DO on the behalf of Faye. Yeah. For a, a person who is driven purely by joy, like, do they like doing all of this kind of liaison stuff or is it a burden? I think it's a bit of a burden. I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's the cross they bear. Like, they, they understand that that's the day job. And which is why I think that they're, they've probably been known by pukas throughout history have probably been known to be this kind of mischievous thing because they've just got to let it all out and because they're having to deal with these tiresome humans who and there always seems to be a new human they have to deal with like every like 60 years or so it's ridiculous they change so frequently so they also yeah they they have their fun where they can so I think also he enjoys probably with the, with the do is that's the boring bit I think he's enjoyed the the creation of the like getting the the national trust involved and all of the the fun he had like tricking people into thinking the wood is something that it is not and having fun with all the tourists and probably getting his volunteers to do things that are completely unnecessary or you know they they accidentally find that there's like a stream or something that wasn't there the last time they walked this trap so they end up you know up to their knees in water for no apparent reason and things like that would you like to add any other features to sheridan town 
just because uh, like we've talked a lot about the woods um i already had woods on my list so if you mm. want to add anything else feel free i don't think um to the town however to the woods itself yeah. um right in the center i would like to add um like a, a re- you know those really thick trunk trees that almost look disfigured like they're yeah. so big and and weird like the fern gully kind of weird tree uh, i want one of those uh, which has like a load of like carvings all over it of like um like faces but like really crudely carved faces and kind of what people might think were letters or runes but it's like really old and really weathered and there's probably a hundred different stories as to where they're they're from uh, and i want that to be briar's home very good it's there it exists and then what and this sort of leads on from the like how much does briar actually enjoy dealing with humans question uh what made you join up with this ragtag band of defenders of sheridan i think over the years there's, there's probably been plenty of uh, of like threats against the the woodland against the town um briar knows that they're kind of linked particularly in more modern times like beforehand where the the wood could just exist without really much uh, help from from mortals now in the world like brian knows that if it's not going to be developed onto or turned into a playground or something he needs he needs that you know that these humans are suddenly of importance and this is part of like keeping in the in in the good books of the do and to, to curry favor plus sometimes uh, it's probably quite fun. There's probably uh, like there's if he if if it's so bestial, there's probably the, this sense of a hunter. I mean, you can't spend your entire life being wolves and foxes and predatory Wild birds hunts. and not and not yeah fancy doing it. Yeah, you can look like prey animals, but you never are one, are you? <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Very cool. Any further questions uh, about Briar? Are you able to turn into inanimate objects or is it just living beings just living beings okay that's a shame <laughs> yeah, no rocks or trees or, or anything or toasters or, or toasters no i like the sense that all of the power and everything like life force and all the abilities all comes from the the life force of the forest so everything all the magic because i know we get basic magic moves and stuff everything will be very much nature-based and and draw from from there so that's why it's probably you know i don't want to be able to say and briar becomes a tiger or a crocodile or something because that's not really doesn't come from from the sort of nature that that they were born from do you have any particular enemies any any mystical magical types hmm i don't know i maybe maybe not personally but i like the idea like there being this kind of fey world that is kind of in parallel to to the mortal world so perhaps there is that there's sort of like uh, i in- inherit the enemies of the of the fey world there are probably things out there that don't like them uh, in general um or want to you know feed off the the power that they can get from the from the earth or something so that they're uh, kind of yeah as they're a, they're a threat maybe you weren't always a guardian of against humans maybe you're guarding the forest against something else and humans have just become more prominent yeah 
Yes, that's a, yeah, that is yeah, it does say like yeah, the human race has never been at well they they up until now have never been a massive threat to them. So yeah, it makes sense that there was a big threat maybe once upon a time that is uh has dwindled for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, we can have a think about what types of uh supernatural entities might threaten a forest. Mm. Cool. Well, I think in that case, Strat, you're ready to play. Cool. I'll turn into a horse then. Clip it off. This has been Vigil, a main house production from Merely Roleplayers. It stars Chris Starkey as Cameron Jarvis, Natalie Winter as Gwynnett, Strat as Briar, and Josh Yard as Ginny Greenteeth. Sound design for this production is by Natalie Winter, and the theme music is by Alex Pankhurst. I'm Matt Boothman, and I play the supporting cast, as well as editing and producing this episode. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on.